Water Banter. live with another episode of the brown water banter podcast my name is jared seymour my name is joey case that's right we got a great show for you lined up this evening in the house we have the executive director of the department of marine resources joe spragans we want to thank him for stopping by and chatting with us today and our good buddy justin over here writing down notes already right that's out of the right. gate that's from a, uh, tether yeah. skiff making us look super official so i like that <laughs> uh but before we jump into the conversation this evening uh we're going to thank the uh sponsors of the show like we always do the people that help keep the lights on for us over here at the brown water studios uh right out of the gate Dr. Robbie Williams over at Southern Magnolia Smiles, man. If you're looking for a great local dentist, hit him up on the socials at Southern Magnolia Smiles on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, and when you're ready to book that appointment, just give him a shout at 228-215-1202 and tell them that we sent you. Uh, our buddy uh, T uh, Tyler over at Taylor & Cox Law Firm, if you find yourself in the need for legal representation for any reason, they specialize in felonies and misdemeanors, DUIs, family law, divorce, child custody. They come highly recommended from a lot of people that we know. Uh, and they've been practicing law in Pascagoula, representing the people on the Mississippi Gulf Coast for 30 years. So if you find yourself in the need, uh, in the boat that needs some legal representation, give them a shout at 228-696-0111. And we want to thank them for sponsoring the Brownwater Banter app as well. Our buddy Rocky over at Sea to Swamp. You can look them up as well on the socials, Facebook. Just type in C, the number two, and then Swamp. He's got two locations now, one in Gaucher, one in Gulfport. He's slinging all your uh, outdoor needs, man. He's got apparel, rods, reels, tackle. He does real repair. Uh, he's slinging kayaks out of his Gulfport location. And he's also got a fishing tournament coming up, Fishmas, he calls it, uh, raising uh, yeah. toys and, and donations for children, for needy children uh, for the holiday season that's coming up as well. So uh, go check them out see the swamp we appreciate their support you can give them a call if you have any questions at 228-205-3964 and our buddy kendrick we just hung out with him the other night man uh over at forever young uh, men and women's health again you can look them up on facebook if you feel like you can't get off the couch you want to get back in the gym you want to start moving around again and feeling better uh give forever young a call at 228-363-6623 put your care in the hands of a professional let them run some lab work on you maybe you need some hormone replacement uh your testosterone could be low you could have any kind of vitamin deficiencies let kendrick figure it out for you and get you optimized and back on track uh randy bosarge our district five supervisor uh for jackson county he's still stayed on board with us uh, as a sponsor after these, this election season and we want to thank him for that as well uh, and all the cool things that's going on in Jackson County man he's up to snuff on all of that and like I said after the first year I think we're going to get him back on here and uh, talk about everything that we got going on in the county because it's a lot and there's a lot of growth going on so Randy we appreciate your support there uh, I think I beat you once again, Joey. You I'm, are, I'm like, yeah, you're beating me. I'm on a you're like a streak. machine. Yeah, I'm just, I'm rattled. I'm, just, I'm in my groove. You know, it's That's the end right. of the year. I thought I seen your eyes closed. Yeah, yeah, I, I can do it. I can do it blindfolded. So yeah. it's not even a problem here. But uh, like I said, we have the uh, executive director, Department of Marine Sources, uh, Mr. Joe Spragans. We appreciate you being in here with us this evening, sir. We have a lot of people on the show from the outdoor community. A lot of charter boat captain guys. I was telling you before the show, we had some people from NOAA in here. Who else, Joey, am I missing? Um, fishing banks. The fishing banks, yeah. yeah. We talk a lot on the show about um, regulations that you know recreational fishermen face, commercial fishermen, uh, putting out uh, reefs uh, with the Mississippi Gulf fishing banks and stuff like that. And we wanted to have somebody from the DMR to come on the show and just kind of give us their take on a lot of these issues and explain to us how y'all see, see things from your side, from your agency. Uh, one of the ways we like to start the show off is if you could just kind of give us your background and how you ended up at the department. 
Well, thank you first for having me. And uh, my background's a little different. It had any, didn't have anything with DMR written in it. Okay, good, good, and, good. Uh, I uh, had 34 years in the Air Force. I'm a retired Brigadier General from the Air Force. Wow, really? thank you for your service. Yeah, yeah we absolutely. just had a good Veterans Day uh, celebration this past weekend with some buddies of ours. So. Uh, and uh, so I did that for, you know, 34 years. And during Katrina, I took over emergency operations for, for Harrison County the day Katrina hit. Uh, and uh, they would, did not have a director, so I took over that day for her. Okay, all right. So that was like a, would you call that a battlefield promotion? It was one of those things that, uh, you know, uh, it, it was needed. I picked the day to do it. Okay, yeah. And then I did not know it was going to happen, but yeah. it did. But anyway, so I stayed with them a couple of years and um, got them uh, help through all the issues of, uh, of Katrina. And uh, during the same time, I was with the Air Force also working uh, as a battle commander at the 1st Air Force. Okay. And uh, so we did the Air Sovereignty of the United States. And uh, I'd come out for, I was active duty and came off of that into the guard drill status type. And that's what I was doing it by being able to do both. But, uh, and it was a good career. Uh, I started working with DMR in 2013, and that was when they had the big shakeup. Yeah. Okay. I and uh, Jamie Miller had uh, is a good friend, and he Jamie was the congressman's chief of staff, and uh, at the time, and uh, he had come off, and basically uh, they had offered him the job as executive director, and so uh, Jamie gets in and calls me, and he says, "Hey," he said, uh, "Wonder if you'd like to come help me?" And I said, "I don't know. What do you want me to do?" <laughs> and he says, "Well, we got a lot to straighten out, and I need your help." And uh, would you mind coming helping me? And I said, well, yeah, I'll do it for a year. I'll give you a year to help you straighten it out. Well, that's been 10 years ago. I was going to say, what year was that, 2013? <laughs> and, yeah. uh, that's been a long year. Yeah, it's been 10 years now. And um, I stayed, well, I stayed at, you know, uh, as basically the uh, chief operations officer for about four years with him. And then Jamie moved up to the uh, Jackson to go to work there, and then uh, Governor Bryant called me and said, "I wish you'd take this job full time." You know, the executive director, mm -hmm. and so that's how I became the executive director. Uh, my background in fisheries was that I fish very little, okay, but I loved to eat them. Yeah. Right, and I, you know, and I, I didn't know. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I couldn't tell, couldn't have told you most any part of what was going on in the fisheries world. Right. But uh, one thing I found out about it was the same thing I found out about the military. I fell in love with it. Okay. And I fell in love with the organization and what they were doing and how they were operating. And so I, it just became a, uh, something that every day was a new challenge. Mm -hmm. Every day I woke up, I went to work, and I was going to learn something new. Right. And I had a great group of people working with me that was going to help me do this, and they teach me the things that – Every day we go, we sit down in a meeting, and I learn something, mm -hmm. and I and I just enjoy that. I enjoy that more than anything in the world. It's being able to learn something new every day, and uh, so it's worked out great. Uh, you know, we've uh, been able to promote within mostly for a lot of people, uh, and uh, our chief scientific officer is Rick Burrs, and uh, Rick was in the fisheries world. He was in head of fisheries before that, so uh, for the DMR. And then uh, my chief operations officer is uh, Patrick Levine. And Patrick was a, uh, I guess he was around lieutenant. No, he was a captain in the in the um, uh, Marine Patrol. Spent his time in Marine Patrol life. And so uh, I, he, uh, very sharp, both of them, uh, master's degrees, both of them very sharp individuals. Yeah. And he was uh, at the Veterans Day lunch at the Butcher. Okay. Patrick was, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. 
and then uh, and Leslie Brewer is our uh, chief financial officer, and Leslie is a CPA and a lot of background. So we we were able to get a lot of good team together, and then the the rest of the team has just been perfect. I mean, it's been great to have them. So uh, every day is a new day. <laughs> Sounds yeah. like and, it. Yeah. Uh, so when they came in and flipped the house, did most of the people that were there stay? I know they started chopping a little bit, but the, the most of the core stayed. The when you say the core, uh, a lot of the uh, senior leadership left, yeah. most all of it, and then uh, the the core of the heart of the workers, you know, that are actually doing the job every day and what we do to take care of the estuaries and the and our resources but they mostly stayed yeah we had a few that we were able to keep but uh we kept a large majority of them right yeah so uh, obviously your background in the military i'm sure helped you come in and when you talk about losing the executive leadership at any organization having to step in and be the guy who's in control and build the team back and then get back onto the mission i guess your background probably helped you out with that tremendously right it did and uh and i think that's what jamie was looking at too whenever he said hey i need somebody that can come in and look at something i had been been at a basis before that uh, basically had had issues, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I took over a base that uh, had 123 IG complaints. Wow. And uh, so I took that base over, and we were able to turn it around. And so a lot of things that we've done, you know, it's uh, you can do anything if you just look at it. Uh, as long as you, you know, just sit down and go by the book, whatever the book says, we got to do it, you know, and then common sense comes in a yeah, where do you where do you start in a situation like that? Do you try to figure out what your people are doing right and then build from there? Or? Oh, of course, yeah. you always look. You know, obviously the wrongs don't pop up in your face, right? <laughs> and uh, you know, but the right uh, is there, and you look at what's right and uh, what what is what is great about this organization, and then you look at that. That's your number one thing, all right. right? And when you see that, you see what's great. Now, where where are some of the shortfalls that we're looking at? And let's look at the shortfalls and how can we fill those shortfalls? The other things, as far as the ones that are, that if you want to call it a bad apple or whatever, they're gonna, it's gonna to come to the top anyway. So we'll mm-hmm. find that sooner or later. But the idea was to be able to get the people to be able to get the agency back. DMR is a great agency. Yeah. And uh, you know they had some issues, and uh, you know when they had some issues with some things that was going on, uh, I, I think that uh, the biggest issue that DMR had was they had never been audited. Mm-hmm. That is never good for any organization. And it had right? been over 20 years, and they'd never, uh, roughly, and they'd never been audited. We'd say when the cat's away, the mice will play. And, yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and because of that, it uh, opens up the door for things to happen that you're not, you know, uh, Dr. Walker, good man. I have nothing but good things about the man. He was a good man. I worked with him before when he was at DMR. Great man. He's a good person. And, uh, you know, but there's these things that build up that you don't see. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, it, it just uh, automatically, I like uh, when we took the Go Mesa over, and in 2018, when they gave us our first big check of 20 something million dollars, and uh, I called Governor Bryant and uh, I said, uh, I'm going to see if I get the state auditor to audit me. And I called the state auditor, and he said, I can't do it. I ain't got enough way to put it in there. There's no way it'd be two years before I audit you. <laughs> so I called Governor Bryant back and I said, Hey, can I pay for it out of, my, out of, out of the fund and do it myself? He said, Oh, yeah. So I independently had an audit right off the bat. Well, that's smart. That's good. And yeah. So we have independent audits every year on everything that we do. <laughs> it's probably that's yeah. probably the first time that's ever happened. Right. <laughs> yeah. They were like, uh, Please yeah, come down yeah, and audit yeah, us. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, I tell people all the time, I, the military taught me about an audit. An audit can do two things. Number one, it can tell you if you are making a mistake. 
Right. And, and number two, it can tell you that you're doing good. Right. Yeah. Right. So you need to know both of those. And yeah. if you know, and, uh, you know, I don't want the uh, OIG to come in and tell me I'm making a mistake. I want to find it before that and fix it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's the whole idea. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, if somebody says audit, I'm fine. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, nobody would argue with more transparency and accountability in any government agency. So it's great to hear that, you know, that's something that's important to you. Um, I, what, what do you think, like, as far as like Joey and I, I feel like we've learned not so much about the DMR, but we've learned a lot about how just certain things work, like the, with the uh, Gulf fishing banks and getting a reef put out there. You don't, you don't realize, like, the red tape and the amount Permits, of work. Permits, paperwork, that, that, that You think stuff. just like put it on the bar, drive it out there, knock it over. If, as long as it's in the right area, we're good to go. And it's not that way. What have you learned as a guy you said who didn't really fish, just like to eat them, didn't know a lot about the DMR since you've been there? What What's the goal or the mission for the DMR, the, the umbrella? And then also you listed a lot of people at a lot of positions, some of the internal stuff, like more of the micro stuff that y'all do at the DMR. Well, our goal is to rebuild the estuary the best possible we can. Okay. And, uh, you know, we've had some uh, natural disasters and some man-made disasters that have caused a lot of issues with us. Uh, just to go back to 2005, when Katrina hit. Right. Katrina did a lot of damage to, uh, you know, our estuaries. And, and so, in turn, did a lot of damage to all the, our uh, shrimp, oysters, crabs, everything else, and, and finfish. So we started rebuilding there, and then about that time, you get started back as I looked at the records, and then in 2011 with Bonnie Carey, well, 2010 before that, they had the oil, oil spill. Right, right, yeah. right. And then the oil spill goes in and causes all the damage, and then we come back behind it with the first opening of the Bonnie Carey over so many, you know, big major opening in 2011. And then we get back and we start working at it again, and then come back and uh, obviously have openings uh, in 16 and uh, 17. And 18, and, you know, it was just a, a kind of a track record going here. Mm-hmm. And then in 2019, had the biggest Bonnie Carey opening in history. Right. 120-something days. And uh, and so uh, it basically wiped out the estuary. Mm-hmm. So we're having to go back, and we're having to go back and look at ways to do it. I mean, uh, you take one step forward and two back. Well, we got to keep taking that one forward. That's what we got to look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we had, the good part about it is our fin fish is pretty good. We have some pretty good fin fish as far as uh, our speckled trout. We, you know, we made a big move in it around 2017, somewhere along in there, 16, 17, to change the, the length to 15 inches and 15. Right. Well, a lot of people didn't like it at first, but I think they're coming around to it, and yeah. they've seen it. And I think you'll notice that Louisiana just changed They theirs. just changed we saw it. That. Just yeah. changed it, yeah. yeah. They cut from 25 to 15 and went to 13 they inches, and then two. only one over, what, 20 inches, I think? Yeah, two, 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 inches. Two, over yeah. 20. Over 20. two over 20. Two over 20, yeah. But uh, we don't, you know, that's a good thing. I mean, you know, we got to look at it. You got to look at where it's at. And we have scientists every day that are sitting there and they're basically watching everything about what that happens in that in the fin fish. And they're telling me that, hey, this is where we're at. This is what we need to do. Um, there's one thing that I've learned that science is pretty smart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, uh, yeah. you know, to be able to... Uh, to listen to the scientists and understand what they say and uh, and understand how they're doing it. And uh, they give you facts. And when they put facts in front of you, it's hard to dispute facts. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're looking at. Then, um, you know, obviously we, we've got that. But, so the oysters are a major issue. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, we really have not had an oyster season since 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully this year we could have had a season, but instead uh, we decided to go back and uh, – and lease the bottoms to people, so we leased 80% of it. And uh, so what we're doing now, we're in the process of finalizing that. We had over 80 applications 
to lease the, the bottoms. And so I think we'll get a lot of good private individuals that are coming in there with their companies, and they're going to go in, and they're going to work at it, and they're going to, you know, they're going to culture their own uh, oyster beds. They're going to seed their own oyster beds, and they're going to go work at it and try to do everything that they can to raise those oysters because they have money in it. They got mm-hmm. skin in the game. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, and in turn, it helps us because every time an oyster grows, it filters water. Correct. Right. And, uh, you know, a full-size oyster filter about 50 to 60 gallons of water, of water a day. It's a lot of water. Yeah, and uh, it is when you think about how many is out there. Yeah. So that's a big thing, and hopefully we'll get that finalized before the end of the year, and we'll be able to utilize those uh, fishermen and, uh, and companies to be able to go out and do this. Uh, we'll still, in turn, seed the oyster beds that we have. And uh, and what we'll do with that is is use that to feed the other oyster beds that they're growing and everything else. And so we'll try to keep that going. We'll put some in areas that are uh, not harvestable, but so they can continue just you know just to seed, seed, seed. Yeah. And then we'll look at uh, at that once we get uh, going after another year or so about what we have any uh, recreational or, you know season or not. But the main goal is to get the oysters into water. Right. And when we do that, they feed everything feeds off of them. I mean, you know, if you think about it, the larvae and uh, and then go into the spat and then the little small oysters, a lot of things feed off of them. And, right. and the little things feed off of that, and then the big things feed off the little things. And, uh, <laughs> circle and so, of life. Right. Yeah, it's a circle of life. And so that helps a lot. And we, um, we're able to do that. Our shrimp season is coming back. The problem with shrimp is we can't sell it. You know. Uh, How do you mean? Well, the price of shrimp is about ridiculous. That's what, that's what I thought. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, about seventy-five cents a pound. Okay, you're gonna go out here and run a boat that, uh, you know, that yeah. gets, diesel's five dollars. Diesel five dollars, yeah. and you're gonna come back with seventy-five cents a pound. You can't make money. No, and uh, that's because of the imports. Right. And the imports are coming in, and uh, they're basically coming in and and selling them for hardly nothing. Yeah. Just to get them offloaded, and. Uh, so how do we stop that? How do we regulate that? And I've, we've talked to several of our congressmen and senators and, uh, and the governor and others about it. And uh, they, there's always loopholes when you get into that. The number one loophole is, that, well, if we put an embargo on them here, what are they going to do about what we ship to them? Mm-hmm. So we have to look at everything and try to what's best for America and what's best for us, you know, for, right. for the coast and, uh, and what will happen with our fishermen. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to do something shortly with that, and uh, and be able to change it around, because uh, you know when you when you get five five and a half six million pounds of shrimp and the, and the dockside values of six million dollars, mm-hmm. that's not very good. Mm-mm. When it ought to be somewhere in the neighborhood of eighteen to twenty million. Yeah. Right. So and that's that's a big huge thing because I know a couple of years ago the big Gulf shrimp push yeah. was there because the fishermen were just basically getting bullied out yeah. by the. Uh, overseas shrimp yep that's yeah. exactly what's happening and most of them are coming out of south america and uh the crabs are coming back good so that's another good thing the other thing is flounder flounder starting to re- return better yeah and it, those have not been here since the oil spill yeah it, 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 it been killed a, a lot of them yeah and we've had a lot of uh turnaround on it so those things are doing good and uh so our goal we also we lose about 200 acres a year of just the grassland marshland and so our goal is how do we rebuild that, right? You know, because if we don't rebuild it, then we're not going to have the the uh, oysters, the shrimp, and everything else. I mean, it's just not going to happen, mm-hmm. especially finfish. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and the, and the shrimp, uh, we've got to have it. they got to have a place for them to uh, grow up and, uh, and be able to uh, move out into the deeper water. Now, is that natural destruction that's doing that, man-made, or a combination of the two? Well, 
you know, I don't know where it's man-made per much, but I guess that uh, nature is just doing it in general. Okay. Right. And, uh, you know, a lot of places losing more than we are. But the idea is what we do, we'll go out and we'll basically do a beneficial use area. And uh, where we did uh, the uh, Round Island. Mm-hmm. And uh, it went in and basically put berms out and, and went back and helped to rebuild that island. Yeah, because it was pretty much sunk. Yeah. Yeah. And so that helped a lot. And we did some places that, uh, in Pasagoula. We're doing some others over in uh, uh, Bay St. Louis. we got a big area over there. So we, we're just trying to work what we can we do to make it better. And uh, that helps to rebuild the estuary. And once we do that, that'll, uh, you know, if we can save whatever we can save of our marshland is the best that we can do. We're looking at uh, Pelican Key. If you know where Pelican Key is, it's on the west side of Cat Island. Mm-hmm. And it's basically underwater. Well, our idea is let's build it back up. Mm-hmm. You know, making another island out there. And let's see what we can do. We're, not, we're looking at a lot of places that way. I'm not sure if I answered your question. Yeah, no, no, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. yeah, well, Mitchers. So you, you were mentioning the oyster stuff earlier. So you, you you specifically said bottom. So I recently went to one of these oyster farmer uh, fundraisers recently and learned a little bit about that. The guys who are who have uh, right behind Deer Island and some other areas. Is that different than what you're talking yes, about for the that you're leasing out to the other? Yeah, that's the the off bottom that you're talking yeah. about. And basically they're fishing it and they, they put them in cages yeah. and raise right. them to mat. That is going great. We have quite a few people that are doing it. And I tell you what, the oysters are selling good and mm-hmm. uh, you know and they're they're great to eat. They're, get a tent. Yeah. they're, they're, they're wonderful. The problem is it just takes a lot of money and a lot of effort to do it. Yeah. And uh, you know, and a lot of people uh it's hard to get labor. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get yeah. the people to do it. Yeah, sure. Now they leased, if I'm not mistaken, didn't they lease the plots from the state? Yeah, but it's a, you know, like you know, they leased an acre at a time. It's like eighty dollars an acre or something. That they right. Leased. And it, in the beginning, DMR was giving them the the babies, weren't they? At one well, point, we we had to work at it. it. Was kind of of a little hybrid deal. You know, the state of Mississippi, by the law, I can't give you something. Right. Okay. <laughs> All right. So what we had to do is we basically worked it through Auburn University, and Auburn came down and gave them the uh, spat to put on the shell, the spat on shell to start their uh, their nursery with. Okay. And so that's how that worked. And the cages themselves, we did not give them the cages. We reused them, at the, but we got them started so they could go buy cages. I got you. And uh, one of the things that the Bonnie Carey, the, uh, we have around $22 million that we received in the Bonnie Carey uh, funds, and part of that is to help them. And so we're working on that now. And uh, one of the things is maybe putting a um, a barge out, you know, in the area where they can, instead of having to bring them in to tumble them, they can tumble them right there on the site and uh, be able to do it and save a lot of labor. We uh, increased the area to where the water wasn't as deep and move uh, closer to the island, and that way you can do it, and you can wade and turn yeah, them. Yeah, instead of being on a boat. Yeah. yeah. It, it, I was going to say, take, I've, I've been out there fishing and seen some guys out there yeah, this oh, yeah, deep yeah, working. Yeah, sure. yeah. yeah and uh, the thing about it is you can turn an acre about a, a tenth, well, not maybe a tenth, but if, if you take you a day, you can turn an acre, right? Basically, if you're on the water walking. If you're in a boat, it'd take you about four days. Yeah. So that makes it three or four days. So that right. makes a lot of difference in what they're doing. Uh, so we are trying to rebuild the oysters, and um, and one of the things, like I said, uh, being able uh, to build reefs and being able to seed these reefs for the others that are coming, uh, I'm trying to work out something with a, uh, a grant that we have to uh, restore to be able to help even, if possible, to seed the ones going into their own bottom 
you know, and help them and seed some of the others. And I'm trying to do anything I can. I mean, we just need to get them off, off dead center and let them move because mm-hmm. it's a lot of money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bonnie Carey, I know there's still a big, huge lawsuit. State's going after them. Y'all are going after them, I think. Am I correct on that? Well, Somewhat. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to go after them. I mean, yeah. uh, it's the federal government. Right, 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 right. right. So uh, there, there are still th- that's still in the works. So it right? is, and we got the Gulf Coast Coalition, uh, you know, that is working hard for us, and it's a group of people, and we help them. We gave them some money this year, you know, with funding to help them to be able to do it, because they're private. It's a uh, basically just it's a, made up of the mayors and and uh, council members and all of, mm-hmm. uh, and some supervisors, and uh, they're working hard to try to find a way to be able to offset what we can do. We're trying to find a way to be able to, uh, what could minimize the opening of the Bonnie Carey? Well, obviously this year nature minimized it because there's no water. Yeah. All right. So we don't have to worry about it. But when the, it, it's a cycle that our earth gets in and it will come back. Mm-hmm. And when it comes back, what can we do? And a, a couple of things that we can do is we could uh, basically, we have two diversions. One, uh, it's called the Almond, one the Union that we're working on right now and they the uh union diversion is just north of the bonnie carry right and the alma diversion is just north of it and uh the uh, the alma goes to the west and the union goes to the east and they're just small diversions but they go into a cypress forest is what they're scheduled to do mm-hmm. well in a situation like uh the union would open up if it had a one million cubic feet per second if it was coming at one million cubic feet per second at that point they would open it up, and it could put as much as 50,000 cubic feet per second across that, uh, you know, in that area. And then uh, that will take off some of the load of what's coming down into the Bonnie Carey. Mm-hmm. Well, at, if the Alma was built, it would be one point. Uh, well, I got them backwards. Alma goes west, the Union goes east. And uh, But anyway. Uh, one they, of them goes towards Baton Rouge, right? right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it goes it's south of Baton south Rouge. South of Baton Rouge, uh, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but uh, it goes over towards the uh, the river there. Uh, but the Chafalaya. Yeah, Chafalaya Basin. Okay, yeah. and then uh, the other one that would come in, and it would be in that Cypress Forest just north of Lake Pontchartrain, and it's about 25,000 cubic feet per second. When it hits 1.25 million cubic feet per second, they would work. Well, those two things could take a lot of time off of opening of the Bonnie Carey because when it reaches 1.25 million cubic feet per second and 17 on the gauge, we've got to open the Bonnie Carey. Mm-hmm. Well, if we had this sucking it away and now it's still the one the the one that's coming to the east is still going to eventually come into lake Mar- uh, Pontchartrain, but it's going to filter all those nutrients out of it and everything else and it's just going to be water coming in and it's going to come in at a trickle rather than a, in a flood mm-hmm. and hopefully we could do something with that that's a big thing i think would be huge if we could ever get it worked it's going to take quite a few years to get it we're asking the Corps to look at it and uh the uh louisiana both of them in louisiana territory and they're working hard to try to do it so uh, i think that could be something i know we don't like the word diversion mm-hmm. yeah but if it's a good diversion that's okay uh but uh you know this is not going to hurt the estuary to do it i right. don't think we i don't know that answer 100 percent. we're doing a study on it i yeah. tell you that I got yeah. You. yeah i just we know it was devastating to the gulf coast when it was open that last time i mean yeah it, 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 it pretty much well it's it, you fish some of the fish can move mammals i mean the, the, the dolphins and stuff like that can move oysters they're dead yeah they're, oh they yeah. ain't going nowhere they're done <clears throat> yeah shrimp larvae all that stuff that's up in the marsh they're dead it's gonna kill them all pretty much yeah it um the salinity of the mississippi sound all the way over to pasagula was zero zero that's yeah. crazy yeah and nobody's ever got any record or anywhere close to that. Yeah. 
Yeah, now it's just the opposite of that. Now it's like <laughs> 28. Yeah, that, 28. Yeah. <laughs> that's why the moisture is so yeah. good. I heard, but, I heard but, too. like, that's what goes into – because I've had a lot – I used to uh, freshwater fish a lot down here. We would always compare freshwater fishing here to lakes and, and rivers and things that didn't have t- as much Mother Nature effect. And, right. you know, you get in the brackish water stuff and mm-hmm. – and, We've talked about, you know, stocking freshwater fish down here, and I've always had this, like, what a what a waste. It's like, you know, you can stock a, a freshwater fish down here, and if, if he goes anywhere near the marsh, within a year or two, it, it's going to get flooded with salt or, or something, you know. And it's like battling against Mother Nature in, in this world is a whole other game because you have no control over super high tide, super low tide, high salinity, low salinity. In a lake environment, they all have locks and dams, so they can control a, a slow, a slow. You know, they they draw them down in the winter, and they intentionally do all this. Well, you can't intentionally do anything down here. You no. know, like in the same way with with freshwater fishing, when you take the Pascola River effect, it's so much fun up there in the springtime. But you're just you know one rainstorm away from that thing going to the flood stage, and the fishing for the next month is is out of the question. So we miss a lot of crappie fishing in the spring, which is the most fun to me because the river may be at flood stage. Well, it's the same thing here. Hurricanes and, and low salinity, high salinity. Low salinity kills all the grass over mm-hmm. in Back Bay. There's no eelgrass because of the, the summer with, you know, extreme salinity. So just juggling all that is, is you know, regardless of regulation and all that, just the simple fact of juggling the effects of Mother Nature are, are a beast in itself. Yeah. It's the real world down here. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it, not. It is, like, they control a lot of that. So, yeah. like, like, there's a, they can control who gets water and when, down here, it's like Mother Nature will tell you when I've got excess water That's and what, what are you going to do yeah, with yeah. it and exactly. where you're going to send it and all that. Where is where is y'all's <laughs> jurisdiction fall in the brackish water? Do y'all follow it all the way up the rivers? No, uh, basically I-10. Okay. And, uh, you know, we'll go north of I-10 and work and do things like that. But uh, wildlife pretty much, has con- it's mainly out of the brackish by then, you know, once you get north of I-10. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, but we, uh, we just kind of dual- uh, hat that anything from uh, Highway 90 North or uh, not the I guess I'd say the uh, railroad north. You know, right. we just kind of work together with each other. But uh, they only have a couple people, so we we're 90 percent of it, and so we uh, we have 31 patrolmen, and uh, so we're able to patrol the area and look at it a lot better. Yeah, for sure. That's just, that's another thing that you don't even think of when you. I mean, I, I guess you do when you think of DMR, but y'all are actually out there patrolling, making sure. Is it just about fishing? But y'all do boating, like right. uh, BUIs. Oh, y'all, y'all do y'all do the whole thing, right? We do everything, and uh, boating safety is one of our major things. And, yeah, uh, you know, trying to make sure that people are safe. And uh, my, I, I can't say enough about the Marine Patrol. They do a great job out there, and they work hard. And uh, we got some great people that are that are working there. And uh, Chief Wilkerson is over at uh, Kyle Wilkerson. He's our chief, mm-hmm. and uh, Chief has done a great job. And uh, and you know. They go out and um, they're not trying to write you a ticket. They're trying to help you. Yeah. And uh, I know there's a lot of times that they'll tell me that they'll pull up on a boat and um, there'll be something like uh, three kids and uh, you know two adults on the boat and instead of having five, they only have four life preservers. Mm-hmm. And uh, they'll give them a life preserver and they'll write them a citation to warrant and tell them whenever you bring me that life preserver that you just bought and show me, I'll tear it up. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, that's a great idea. That's teaching yeah. them. That's getting that safety there on, and everything's happening. You know, same thing with flares. If you don't have uh, working flares, or, you know, a lot of different things like that. Now, uh, they're pretty stickler when it comes to the fish. 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, uh, especially with our snapper, because uh, the snapper, we're, we have probably the best system in America as far as the snapper. But uh, it's probably too good because, uh, you know, obviously it doesn't fit into what Noah sees it. And in turn, we have to use some of their MREP, and, uh, which they do their recreational uh, study off of. Uh, and their MREP, it's, it, they're working with us right now. I can tell you this. Uh, Andy Spellcheck and them with Noah and, uh, are working with us very hard to try to change these things and get things worked out. And uh, hopefully next year we'll be able to do a thing. It'll be a, we'll follow L.A. Creole, which is Louisiana's model. Mm-hmm. Louisiana's model has turned out to be perfect for what Noah would like to see. So why don't we look at that too? And so what we're talking about doing is a side-by-side doing a Louisiana model against MREP next year to see what that will do about bringing up, you know. And also we're looking at uh, at the possibility of, uh, of putting some type of, uh, for you to do refish, you're going to have to have some type of a an endorsement or another license or something else, you know, to be able to do it because that way, recreational the, yeah okay and the reason for that is is because uh now if you look at it there's 80 that we sell around 80,000 saltwater fishing license a year well noah considers all 80,000 of them fished right and i mean this is just the way the system is and i'm not saying you know but they, their mrep system looks at it and says most of them fish now if you go to florida which 90 percent of florida is coastline right you know, it's a, it's all that coastline. That's a different story. You go to Texas where they got a, you know, four uh, ten times of what we've got, and uh, and those areas. But you take Alabama and Mississippi when you only got a small amount. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of those people live in Tupelo. They don't come down here every weekend to go fishing. Right. And uh, you know, so the 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 system allows that. But if we did it to where you had some type of endorsement or whatever it said that you were catching uh reef fish then we could probably cut those numbers way down okay and uh and that would be a lot better then they would only say well we only got to look at these this is all we got to do and then it would help us on that uh you know i i i don't think i i don't want to say that we're going to by any means put a tar uh, a fee on it but uh you know i don't think most of the people that are out there that are fishing every day especially recreational law that they would give, care of spending, if they spent $5 to get an endorsement. Right. I don't think they would care because they're already spending $200 every time they go out to the, where they're going to fish and back. And, I, you know, so I don't think that would matter to them. But I don't I don't like raise, putting fees either. And right. I, I want, we'll probably try to start it with an endorsement to where you just uh, basically do like if you're uh, by a hunting license that actually going to go uh, – any type of uh, migratory birds migratory birds yes yeah. okay and let's see how that works and that's probably what we'll do at first we'll probably look at it that way and say that's a good way to do it and try but we've got to do something to cut the numbers down that they are looking at and be able to do that because uh we can't we it, they cut us back a hundred thousand pounds this year unbelievable yeah and uh and so that's just part of the life, and uh, you know we're trying to fight it, and hopefully we'll get some of it back, and hopefully it'll work out in the in the very near future. And I said, as I said, uh, the uh, Noah's trying to help us; they understand it too. Everybody knows that this, that the system's not right. Well, that so I'm really glad you brought this up. So that's what when Joey told me you were coming tonight, I was like, well, I want to listen to this because the last couple of years, um, I've worked in the fishing industry for years, uh, and and now do a little bit of work with the American Sport Fishing Association. So I serve on couple of committees there one of them being governmental affairs which 
snapper is the number one topic in the governmental affairs uh, subcommittees every year. And the last couple of years, I've, I've met some, some guys who serve uh, in much higher positions that are in the weeds on this, and they have shared with us, and, and I've asked a lot more questions about this data. And as I've learned how grotesque this data that's currently being used is from a number standpoint, it is, but then they're like, but everybody knows it. And that's what's, e- it's even more difficult to hear that. It's like, we can all agree that the numbers are wrong, but we still go by the numbers. And it's, and that's where the, the huge snapper count of how many years ago that came out to be a joke and all that. And also wanting to commend you and your group. So I've never listened or never attended any of the DMR meetings, but the first meeting after snapper season closed in Mississippi this year, uh, I just, a notice came across and I realized you guys uh, uh, live streamed it. Mm-hmm. So I jumped on and listened to it. And, and I, I really appreciated your, you, you definitely uh, kind of, uh, you know, straddled the line of being honest, which is what the fishermen, recreational fishermen wanted me, but also saying, hey, you know, I'm in a position where I technically can override this, but it's not the right approach. And I actually, even though I'm hoping you would would override it and let me go snapper fishing again, I can appreciate the fact that hey, we need to we need to work with these groups to get it changed going forward and not one off at a time. And you, you, like you're saying, I've never heard it put that way. That but that's a fantastic way to do away with these bogus 200 boats a day fishing every right. day of snapper season. Yeah. Everyone I'm catching a limit. Right. I've never. I don't even think, and, and because they don't even take into account bad weather days. So, you, so you take into fact uh, the first day of snapper season, and I'll just go back to last year. First weekend was a disaster. The, yeah, the three wind to four was blowing foot. thirty. Nobody. So the first week there wasn't. If there was a snapper call, they're a better man than I am because, <laughs> yeah. like, like they are way mad at her than I am. But none of that's taken into account. And and you know how many beautiful weather days are Tuesday, Wednesday when everybody's at work, and then come Friday it comes a gale and. As I've learned more about these numbers, I'm like, man, this is this is crazy how it's being computed. And that was one of one of my questions to you was, I've learned a little bit about those numbers, and then I also know we have the tails and scales system. So can you speak to the data that you're talking about that it's it's way too hard to even go into in a, an hour or so of a podcast? But there's there's data collection being done that's saying there's this many saltwater fishing license. NOAA's assigning each of those license a limit of snappers, so that's how many they're going to catch. And then how is the tails and scales data being used to determine quotas or determine when it's closed, I guess? Yeah, well, we did the, the tails and scales is very accurate. We're about uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 95 to 96 percent accuracy. And as, as I've talked to more people in other states, Every one of them have said Mississippi has the best system, and uh, and then we're good. And uh, but the problem is that, that that it does not marry up with an MREP, and uh, and which is Noah's. <clears throat> and I mean, you know, Noah looks at it, and uh, and they have to live with it. And that their their whole idea is okay. I I see what you're saying. I understand, and they all understand. But this is what science is telling us that our, our we have to go by because okay. they and and it's an antiquated system. I mean, uh, when you do something like a mail-in survey or whatever, it's antiquated, <laughs> yeah. you know. And uh, phone surveys are hard to do anywhere anymore. Right. <clears throat> and, All uh, spam calls, nobody yeah, answers probably anyway. Yeah. And uh, so people, and a lot of people just answer the question just to get out of it, you yeah. know, and not even worry about it. Uh, but they understand that, and they know that uh, that I was already, like this year, uh, we went over about 18, 20,000 pounds that we caught more than what they said we had to catch. But the reason I did that is I went back and looked at it, and we did a 
the SSC and and the whole group, they are, the scientists, they came back and said, we need to raise this because the numbers were wrong. We need to raise it across the cuff, the gulf entirely. Well, that would have given us about 20,000 more pounds just in that one little study. Well, they said it was best available science. So I am fishing against the best available science. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, I told uh, Noah that I'm, I'm fishing against the best available. But he said, well, it hadn't been signed off by the secretary. And I said, that doesn't matter. It's still the best available science. Mm-hmm. And so, and you've already got proof that it's the best available science. And on top of that, you go back and look at it, and uh, and and they've been very cordial with us. They're not trying to right. slap us about this or anything. They, uh, and you go to the Gulf. It, did we overfish the Gulf quota? No, no. You got Louisiana that's going four fish a day and can't even catch a quota. Yeah. Correct. Still rolling. Well, that one of the things I was going to say is there was a week this year. I think Alabama was closed. There was a week this year. I think it. In the same seven to ten day period, Alabama reopened their season. Mississippi closed theirs, and Louisiana come in with increased the creel limit. Like in the yeah. same week, right. and it's like right. none of this makes any sense. And that no. was where I, I was going to ask you, as I heard at the summit, uh, I guess a couple months ago now, that there are some conversations about the coastal states coming together and saying, "Hey, like we, we've right. got to do this as one to get to the total Gulf quota." And let's we don't necessarily have to go by landmass anymore. Let's let's do what's right by by the people. So there's trying to come together and do it as one instead of just this one off stuff. Well, and we're looking at a couple of things too. It's called regional, and uh, and the regional way it would look right now would probably be Mississippi, Louisiana, and Texas, and then Alabama and Florida. And the reason for that is when we say regional, we would have a quota for regional, and we would fish that quota. Yeah. And then, you know, once we got to that quota, we'd be fine. Yeah, not, and, not based on state lines at all. That's right. Total yeah. quota. It, yeah. Well, and the problem is, you know, if you go out, you fish, you don't stop your boat when there's they, they, they not something on it that's that exactly. says, oh, you're out of Mississippi, you got to right. turn around and go back. No. Mm-hmm. no, you go and fish wherever you want to, but it's where you land it is right. what they counted. Well, again. that was one of my questions, too, is that you try to relate it to speckled trout where I can buy a Louisiana license, leave Ocean Springs Marine Mart, go to Chandelier, catch trout, bring them back to Ocean Spring Marine Mart, and as long as I have the Louisiana license, you're good. As long I'm as you good. don't stop and put a hook in the water. That's exactly. Right. You know, yep. but, in, but in Snapper, you Mississippi waters. in Snapper, you have to launch in the state that the no, season. No, you don't. You, you have to. It doesn't matter where you launch. I mean, it doesn't matter where you catch a fish. It's where you land a fish. Well, yeah. I, yeah. Typically thinking you would yeah, come but, back to where you launch from. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, a lot of people, they could they could launch their, their boat out of, uh, you know, the, the right on the border of Alabama, come over, catch the Mississippi fish, and take them back. Yeah, if Alabama's yeah, yeah, open. Yeah, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. so they're the, mining Mississippi snapper technically. And we're mining Louisiana, and we're mining, and right. they're mining. Exactly. It's all back and forth Absolutely. that way. Right. Yeah. And so the idea was, uh, you know, the fish don't have little markers and say they have to turn around. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know. <laughs> those street signs. Yeah, yeah. They, don't, they don't pay attention to them if they do. But um, we just need to be able to take it and say common sense if it's x amount of million pounds right. if we don't over exceed that and then when you mentioned the snapper count came back over three times the amount that they right. thought it was and it's probably even higher than that well, mm-hmm. didn't i also see that noah's gonna do this again and just appropriated money to do another count they, if you will well they they're doing another but it's it's going to be a different way they i hope so yeah. yeah it's uh they're trying to work it out and we're also looking at other things i mean you know, you got the grouper, you got the uh, triple tails and trigger others, fish, and trigger yeah. fish, and we need to look at that. 
because a, a lot of our fish, Alabama and Florida, catch them the limit in the yeah, Gulf before they ever get that's to exactly us. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we need to have that ability, too. So they need to be able to let that fish come. They yeah. The numbers need to be different. If it was regional, they could only catch so much, and we could catch so much. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense, too, as, as well. Because I think Louisiana just did something on their redfish, too, didn't they? Like in the they past went down. two months yeah, or so. They went, well, it, they, it's the, the bulls. They were getting rid yeah. of catching and keeping the bulls is what it yeah. is. And then uh, the release, I mean, um, release over 20 just did theirs. You know, the yeah. citation for redfish in Louisiana. You might have saw that. Yeah, and I think so. the cobia, federal cobia went down, but Mississippi is we currently still, too. yeah. Yeah. So. It but, needed to, though. Yeah. yeah, but we haven't we haven't seen the issue in Mississippi. The issues in uh, other states of where that problem cobia, is. Cobia, you're talking yeah, about? Yeah. 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 Florida. Yeah. They, they, you know, yeah. they, by the time they migrate, do whatever they do, uh, they're catching them all too quick. Yeah. But, uh yeah, we uh we we're trying to do every one of them, anything that we can find. We're trying to find a way to do it. So better. so did the the season that you reopened for Mississippi? Did that come from like where you were talking about? You got that additional well, uh, science that, and data. That and, was that was that additional twenty thousand pounds. Yeah. yeah. Is, there any, is there any way next year you could like do that by a week and you could wait for the weather to be nice and like <laughs> just open it that week and then when the weather's bad, yeah, close yeah, it. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. That would the help SSU a lot. doesn't have enough on yeah. his plate, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, I go. We, He's going to put that down in his notes, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> I, I try to go to church on a regular basis, and I try to pray to the Lord yeah. on a regular basis, but I don't know if he's going to really yeah. give me right. that information. Yeah. Look, I, I'll come over and go over the weather forecast with you every week, and we can We'll we combine can calendars. Yeah. Yeah. The bad part about it, weather will be beautiful, and then all of a sudden it'll change. Yeah. Right. Especially with, like, a smaller boat, too. That helped me out a whole lot. Was I hearing the question that you asked earlier, Justin, correctly? Let me. I want to see if I got this right, though. So, like, Noah comes up with the amount of – fishing licenses sold and then they determine how much they think people are catching based off of that well it, it it's almost like they they just go to the max they say right, but there my, was well my there question was, at least specifically for snapper does the tails and scales app shouldn't that completely give us fix that at least for that fish well completely? we we thought that and we fought that for the last uh four or five years you know and uh when secretary ross gave us the permission to be able to have our own state data uh-huh and we've been fighting that, and uh, and it just hadn't got you know. Noah's not going to come off the of best available science that they have, and they and they have, uh, and a better way of putting it, uh, they own the property. Yeah, okay. <laughs> all right. So yeah. uh, you know, it's federal waters. Right. They own the property. My house, my rules. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, I could fish all I wanted to in state waters, but our state waters aren't that deep. Right. Now, yeah. if I was, uh, if I'm like Texas, yeah, that'd be great. You know, I just go out there and catch what I want in state right. waters, but. Uh, but uh, you got to live by the rules, and um, you know. And once again, I think that uh, it's just taken a long time, but I think people are trying to come around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, there's been as I've as I've gotten more into the know, I guess, more recently, and been a part of more of the conversations that are the back end of things. It definitely seems, and 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 you know, Lord knows, you can post something on social media nowadays about Snapper, and it you know that's like the, that's like the worst world of social media because all this craziness gets started between commercial and recreation all this kind of stuff but i will say from a from being in rooms where these conversations being had there's a lot more positive conversations that are going to benefit the fishery going forward it still may take a year or two to flush out to get to the season that is actually appropriate for mississippi or or the gulf and and i think you know you always hear about the reality is 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 i would say it's hunting and fishing as a recreational hunter and fisher, is the best conservative for the uh, use of, of the property, if you will, than anyone else 
that's because technically you're more invested in it mm-hmm. bait in comparison to the amount of time you get to use it if that makes sense so it's 90, like 95 percent of the people are, are not trying to do anything exactly wrong, right? yeah. they they want to they want to save it as much as you do i mean if they if they see a herd of deer and they see that they're small ones and, and they're not any any larger bucks, they're going to yeah. try to manage that around to get right. around that. Mm-hmm. And uh, the same way they'll do anything else, they're going to try to manage it the best they can. Uh, one of the things that I'm working on, too, is, in I don't know if you know this, but Louisiana, Alabama, and Mississippi, our state waters only go three miles. And, uh, you know, and that's it's three miles out is where our state waters, and then it becomes uh, federal. Well, Florida and Texas at nine miles. I thought ours were nine. No, that's just for refish only. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. But, and uh, but so here we are, and we're trying to get it. And I, and and Noah's not arguing it. They're fine with it. They want to do it. And one of the things I want to do is get Congress to change it and say that we're going to put nine miles for everybody. And so what that will do, especially you take your charter boat fishermen. Right. All right. Now they not they're not restricted to three miles. They can go out to nine miles state charter boats so they can go out there and catch fish and do things and a lot of reds and everything else out and it's a better deal for them yeah we had uh, one of our buddies james mccandless and he's charter boat captain he's made that same comment he said one of the problems that he sees is a lot of charter customers are uh, making their the short drive to louisiana because of the longer seasons and the larger bag limits of snapper specifically yeah, so. yeah. when you boat up to fh1 and fh2 during snapper season especially the small boats you can only there's only so many there. Yeah, uh, and they're not going to regenerate that quick. Yeah, and then once you yeah. once you get them down first, especially if there's good weather, if there's yeah. good weather, they can they can wipe them off quick. Mm-hmm. But and it, the smart ones learn what a hook look like, and they don't. But a, a state charter can't go there. Correct, because it's past three miles, mm-hmm. and they can't go there. And so they why restrict them? Heck, they're part of our our business in the world down here. They're bringing people in for tourism and everything else. They're doing a fantastic job. They go out and and you know give people a chance to catch something and enjoy it and have a good time right and uh and you know and most of them when you get like everybody was talking about oh you're gonna wipe out the red bull you know the big reds the bulls and all you'll do no they won't because these charter boat people are not going to do that what they'll do is they'll go in there and if they four of them on the boat they'd say look guys you know yeah oh yeah you know do you really want to do this and and hurt that i've I've been out on the boats with them i know what they do plus they got to clean them (laughs) yeah (laughs) but but yeah that and the the fact that they they'll talk them into keeping the other ones you know the smaller ones and then uh, maybe one big one if it's uh you know uh, it might have to happen but that but on the on the average no they're not going to do it and um uh so they they know what it needs you know that person coming down here has as much thrill catching that big bull right. that it does yeah. eating it. They, you know, they'd rather catch it and yeah. then let it go in and catch it again. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like marlins and anything yeah. else. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I, I, it's it's weird because it's almost like something like that happened by default. Like, is it? I can't imagine a reasonable reason that would make any sense as to why those two states are three and everybody else is nine. It's almost like somewhere in the paperwork, something. It came when they became a state in the union. Yeah, so like it's, oh, wow. it know, went back that far. When yeah. they became a state, they and, did. And it, what's sad is, I think the, is the world we live a little in bit, now. A yeah. little bit since then. It's sad is like in 30 minutes, like that could be changed in 30 minutes. Like someone's like, yeah, that's right, that's right. All right, run this through here. This is not some type of party. Like like how ridiculous is this? I, like, I wanted 15 miles, but I, yeah. I ain't got anybody to go with <laughs> <Yeah>. me. <on> <laughs> yeah, if you're going to ask, ask yeah, for what's great. Yeah, yeah, ask for everything. That's right. But that, you're, you're talking about the catch and release stuff. So I, uh, Captain Kyle Johnson, I know you guys are familiar with, a, mm-hmm. a charter guy down here. And, and I think I saw something where he posted, that, and he, this, this guy fishes a lot, um, 
he he posted something about the first time his any of his clients have kept any fish uh, as far as trout and stuff go recently because they've been big advocates for catch and release. Yeah, and it was yeah. really he's at Chandelier a lot, you know. So it's it's Louisiana, but like we've said, they don't know the difference. It's still a Gulf fish, and it would definitely fall into our, our region of Mississippi. That that a lot of people are are doing it for the uh, the enjoyment of being outdoors, that that chase, that that fair right. catch, that kind of stuff, and um you know there are krill limits in place for those who catch and bring them home there's nothing against that either so i I think you're seeing a lot more people that again and it goes back to that recreational angler and and hunter is is much more conservative or or conservationist in mind than people really realize because what happens is they get in this heated battle and and they're very passionate about you know the 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 resource and they sound like lunatics at times when they get to (laughs) battling on on social media but it's like these people have a lot more in common than they realize. They're just all talking so loud. They can't really get to the point, you know, in those conversations. Well, yeah. And those charter boats, uh, I've been out on several of them and, um, they, uh, they'll talk to each other. And if one of them's having a rough day, they'll tell them, Hey, I got something over here. Come on over here. Y'all yeah. get some, yeah. you know, they help each other and they do. And Ronnie Daniels is our representative on our council right. on our commission. And, uh, for that, and Ronnie does a great job. And, uh, and and I once again I don't think any one of them are ever trying to do anything but what's right. Right. And uh and but they need to have the ability to be able to do things to be because they're fighting against Alabama and Louisiana. That's right. So they need to have that. They need to have that ability to do something. Yeah. yeah. Mississippi used to be the uh, seafood capital of the world. I don't think people yeah. remember. It's been, that. A, it's been a while. It's been a minute. It's, it's been, been a little a while. while since that was true. But yeah, we got to get back to that. Yeah. Um, I, I know one other thing I want to talk to you about is how how does the DMR? Uh, Justin mentioned earlier about live streaming some of the meetings, but how, how do y'all go about getting your message out other than doing stuff like this? Uh well, we we do um, different type of uh, work shops and other time mm-hmm. and uh we try to be involved in uh, most anything that has anything to do with uh uh wildlife and, and i'm on the wildlife foundation board and uh and so we we work with them and everything we can and we we're trying to we're going to sponsor i think this year we're looking at it to uh be a part of a sponsor for the billfish tournament okay because that's huge mm-hmm. yeah. it is huge it's you gigantic. know they just broke the record in alabama you know it'd been held for how many years we had it quite a few mm-hmm. you know, what a thousand ninety four pounds or something like that Crazy. yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. and uh but that is huge we want to do uh what they are looking at a women's billfish tournament okay all right and uh then we're looking at children and what we can do we try to get the word out and you know if we can't teach a child how to fish then we're not going to have fishermen very long right, right. And so we need to do that. And we're working with different groups to do that. Uh, we work, we're trying to uh, talk. We get on different type shows like this. Uh, Ricky Matthews uh-huh. and uh, well, WLOX and uh, WXXV. And we just talk anywhere, anytime we can. We try to, to get our word out. And we put out different things. And the other things that we do is we go, we just try to help people get into the business. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, helping people get there is what gets us to the point where we need to be. So if we can help you to be able to run a charter boat in some way, somehow, if we can get you to the ability to do what you need to do, then that's helping you and it's helping us. And it's helping the whole Gulf Coast. And that's what we're working on. That that leads me to my next question is what what do, uh, if people are uh, out there listening to this, whether they're a recreational charter boat or just getting into it to begin with, how can they become a part, voice their opinion, get more in the know when it comes to y'all? 
they they can call us anytime or they can come see us anytime at the Bolton building. Uh, I, obviously, when we have our uh, commission meetings, we have time for people that wanted to ask any questions or do anything else. We will help anybody. If you want to do something to get into the business or you want to do any way or you just want to learn about it, maybe you're just a private individual and want to learn something. Right. We'll help you any way in the world we can. We, we're doing at Lyman Fish Hatchery. I don't know if you know where it's at. Yeah. You know, it was a, a freshwater fish Old hatchery. Old 49, isn't it? Yeah. Old 49, And yeah. we have turned it into a saltwater fish hatchery. Okay. And uh, we released about 200,000 speckled trout last year, uh, uh, this year. And, we, and our goal is to get to where we release a million speckled trout a year. And uh, one of the things that we're learning is when you release them little fingerlings, they get eat up pretty quick. Mm-hmm. But that's okay, you know, because they're feeding something else. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to work with USM and us and growing some bigger ones and maybe six to eight to ten inches long and putting them in the water. And then, uh, you know, so now we've got fish that are uh, big enough to spawn and, and move forward in a year. And that's something that we can do. And so we're working on that. We're working hard on it. Good, good deal, good deal. I think we lost the camera, Joey. Justin, you got, did you have another question? I'm oh, gonna yeah, yeah. Real I, quick. I, I was just going to ask you, uh, in, in one of the meetings I was in last year, uh, someone kind of opened my eyes onto krill limits and then, you know, bycatch. So whenever they're putting quotas out there, these regulators have to take into account some type of expected uh, uh, mortality rate of released fish. So yeah. we started talking about krill limits. So red snapper obviously was the one that was the topic of then. So what the conversation was that I'd never really thought about is you, you kind of get hit with a double-edged sword. Is like the more restrictive you make uh, krill limits for people to catch, the longer they're going to fish to catch that limit. Therefore, the more fish are going to catch and release, and then there's a certain mortality rate they assign to that. So snapper is the easiest one to, to look at, and you say, all right, if you only keep three or two per person, 16 inches and above, how long is, how many fish is someone going to go through to try to catch those 16 inches versus if you just said, all right, we're going to go four per person, 12 inch minimum. A lot of people will just go catch, you know, four, 12 and a half inch snapper and leave the rest of them alone. And have you been involved in any of those conversations or your perspective on that? I have. And uh, my scientists uh, not re- willing to go with that yeah. and I, because they think it will do more damage than good on it. I've looked at it because one of the things I said was, okay, you can have one under eight, under 16. So, you know, you'll keep one of them and won't throw it back. And, uh, you know, but obviously uh, you're a fisherman and, uh, you know, a 16-inch fish, okay, that's a nice fish, but you'd like to have that 20-inch. Mm-hmm. Yep. And if you know they're there, you're going to keep throwing them back to catch right. it. And, uh, you know, I wish there was a way that we could do that. The descending devices, we talked about that, putting them on the boats, you know, where they can uh, yep. help them descend quicker. Because Well, uh, I think now there's a regulation that you have to have. Yeah, you have it, but it doesn't yeah. requirement to use, use it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so then the, the next thing is, uh, you know, you look at what can we do because a, a large amount of the mortality uh, especially of snapper, it's coming from that just exactly what you're saying. And, uh, it, you know, it doesn't take long. If you got two or three boats out there fishing in an area, those dolphins, those, uh, oh, yeah. they're going to come in to, and, uh, you know, the they destroy them. Yeah. And then uh, in, the, sharks. in the sharks. Yeah. And by the time they hit the water, boop. Yep. yep. <laughs> dolphin eat Still staying part of, the, uh, part of the ecosystem. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, but yeah, I mean, situation. but they're getting free, you know, they're getting a buffet. They are. They yeah. are free meal, too. Yeah, laid out to them. So, uh, yeah, you're exactly right. We, I wish I could come up with a good answer. I've tried hard talking to the scientists about it. And, uh, you know, I, one of my ideas was if, you know, uh, 
if we went to three fish a day and one could be below, what would that be? <coughs> yeah. And uh, and they they still think that uh, that if you didn't say it had to be below, it wouldn't make any difference. Yeah. And I guess that was my thought is, you know, what, what you let off with it with there is it's not going to the people like me, in all honesty, is uh, but but I don't. These guys went like I'm free lining for them, so I don't catch very many real small ones, you know. So like I'm I'm uh, a lot of live bait too, but the people like me aren't really catching a bunch of small ones. But you know, I would like to think the people who are going to stick around and keep throwing them back to catch the big ones are going to do it. You may still get a few people that just get their limit and leave. Right. So kind of like what is the what is the true downside of lowering that to just get them people off the reef as fast as you can for the people charter boat guys. If the weather's a little iffy, you know how fast can you catch a limit and and get going if it's twelve inches, fourteen. And I don't know. I'm just throwing thoughts out there is and, and i agree with you i yeah. think it's a great idea we have talked about it in depth many a days uh it's something is still on the table yeah. and if we can find an answer we will and uh you know uh uh matt hill and trevor moncrief are the two of the best at uh yeah. at our fin fish and they're doing it they're the ones that uh, that are giving me the ideas of this is that you know <laughs> is it good or bad whatever yeah. and it, it's all got to be science based right yeah. i mean that's well, that's yeah. the kicker you gotta you gotta know that you're not overfishing the situation, yeah. right? And uh, you know, obviously, if you went to three fish a day and one of them had to be, you would lower your time amount of time that you could fish mm-hmm. because you're gonna have that many more fishermen out there, you know, catching that much. Uh there's a lot of a lot of positive and a lot of negatives, right? And it's a question of how can we put enough positive together to override the negative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that's what's hard is is you get because I, I was I was one of these i guess is is until i started engaging with with people who knew more and and could explain it to me in layman terms you don't really understand all of the different angles that's being approached to to do the most conservative approach for the maximum amount of experience that you can offer anglers but the long-term effects of of you know what you're dealing with also taking into account mother nature and, and the craziness we deal with each summer and stuff like that so it's 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 hard to get a lot of these conversations that we're talking about about people yelling at each other is because they're not understanding all of the different options that have been tried all the current data collection that's going on to try to make an argument or, or prove it through science to give you something to stand on that says all right here's what we're going to do and why um so there's a, i think there's a lot of positive the dmr provides to the state and they don't always get the positive recognition you know that you do for 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 conserving that i know i love the resource and, and i'm glad to get it whenever we can for sure yeah. i think it's like you said though everybody <clears throat> whether people realize it or not is fighting to protect the yeah fisheries, they're super passionate about it yeah. somebody's yeah. got to make the rules and somebody's got to yeah. enforce yeah. it well what happens is especially social media it, you know certain tidbits of information gets thrown out there and, right. and we all know uh, a small clip from a from an interview or or a small piece of data you know, blast well, then it anecdotally, out. everybody yeah, thinks people they want know to run with on. it, and next thing you know, yeah. we're all guilty. The of way that. social media works is you get people arguing both sides. Well, they're now feeding into this algorithm that's making this post oh, go yeah. crazy. Yep, that's yep, yep. that's you know, errant information, and uh, just it just snowballs at that point. So, was was there any other thing on your uh, your notes there that we haven't touched on? That, well, that the DMR one thing, the Bonnie Carey the payout. I would like to. You mentioned that earlier, and I didn't. I didn't realize there had been a payout. For yeah, Bonnie there's Carey. a payout. What we did, just to give you an idea, we did the charter boats first because they don't have trip tickets or anything else. So the only way we could do it is if they had the license, and we would be able to, you know, give them a a, a fee for that. 
and uh and so they were able we were able to do that and uh i want to say that uh i don't i want it's like 6900 and something dollars a piece there was 72 of them that we were able to get those out and that's, almost every one of them have been paid 50 out of 72 i see it is right 6950 dollars and uh and 50 out of the 72 have already been paid it's just waiting on them to get the paperwork into mm-hmm. it to pay them mm-hmm. so that's something good that helps them uh just like uh all right we had uh, money around six million dollars, you know, to do for commercial fishermen. Now that's going to include every type of commercial fishermen. Well, what we looked at, the one that was totally wiped out was oysterman. Mm-hmm. All right, and so if you had an oyster license in 2019 and then the five years prior, and you did, you know, do sell oysters, then we took went back and we said, okay, we're going to give you an initial payment of fifteen thousand. Wow. Because they they're still hurting. They yeah, had one, yeah, decimated. They, they're yeah. still hurting. Yeah. All right. And so then we went back and we took the other 139. That was a, I think it was 118 of them that had that. And then we got 139 that uh, if they didn't have an oyster license, but they had a shrimp or they had a crab or a fin fish, whatever, they got 7,500 as initial payment. Now what we will do after that, I think, is around 85. You know, uh, companies, individuals left. That we will take them and we will look at what they caught by trip tickets and uh, and use the data from 2014 to 2019, and we'll look at what their share is. And if they lost, if what we got, a, I think it's 108 thousand dollars, a little over 108 thousand. If it get anything, we're going to be able to make everybody whole up to 108 thousand dollars. Okay. So what you would have lost, what you would have caught in a year, if it was 107 thousand, you could get made whole. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we got to look at for 2019. Now there'll be a small amount, just a you know handful that uh, won't get made whole. But most of them are big companies, and most of them are big shrimping companies. And they shrimp just because this water was closed. They were shrimping other places yeah. too, mm-hmm. so they were able to help make up some of their loss. But we will we will hopefully get everybody up to and uh, that figure. And then we got like uh, the seafood uh, dealers. I think it's 31 of them, and that we're giving them $12,700 a piece. And then we got the off-bottom, which you're talking about, yeah. a lot of them lost it. They're getting $18,700 a piece. And then we got the live bait, and they're getting 18000 because they, they couldn't catch anything oh, yeah. in 2019. Yeah. Wasn't, I mean, nobody they was fishing. They had the waters closed. Yeah, you yeah. Could, couldn't have sold anything anywhere. Well, they couldn't catch them anyway. There wasn't yeah. nothing there. Yeah. Right. So the, hopefully we're going to get this money out before the end of the year. Okay. And we're getting out the, the initial payments are going now. And now we're working on the other and to get it all out. And uh, what we've got to do, we've got to find a way to keep people in the business. Mm-hmm. Because right now, the uh, the shrimpers, the oystermen, the, the crabbers, the, uh, it, it doesn't matter. You know, the fin fish, they, they're all numbers are going just like that. Mm-hmm. Because people just like, it's not worth it to me. Yeah. It's not worth it. And, uh, you know, we had a large group of the Asian community that was shrimpers, especially, and other fishermen. Well, a lot of those younger kids are just saying, I'm not going to get into this. I've had to live this. I'm not doing it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's just like a lot of people don't want to follow the footsteps of their family. Mm-hmm. You know, they the kids coming up in today's world, they're saying, I need to go. I want to go do something different. Yeah, I want to go to yeah. college. I want to do yeah. something else. Well, that's yeah. hard work. That's yeah. hard and, work. Uh, it is hard work. So, uh, you know, I asked if he would do one thing. Anytime that you're talking to anyone or doing anything, ask them to buy Gulf Fresh. Yes. 
and uh, ask the restaurant, does this go fresh? Mm-hmm. You know, is it go fresh? If it's not, I don't want it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, there's nothing better than to, if we push go fresh. Mm-hmm. Then, the, then it will happen. And it's not that much difference in the price. Mm-mm. And, then, you know, uh, and it's maybe a little bit more, but it's not that much. But I tell you what, the taste is 100%. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's yeah no you, can't, doubt. you can't beat them. You cannot beat them. So. Yeah. I uh, got one more question. Go ahead. Fire away. Who sets the no-wake zones in the state of Mississippi? <laughs> the counties and the cities. Okay, it has nothing to do with the DMR. Well, it does. It has yeah. to come through us, and we have to build, and we'll enforce it. Okay. All right. Uh, we look at those very hard, but it has to be brought to us by the county, mainly of the cities, to say that they need this. Uh, everybody's got a house with a pier wants a no-wake zone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want one at, right behind a small craft. Is yeah. that, do people are, go back and forth about, is that still a, small, a no-wake zone? Is it not a no-wake well, zone? there's a certain area there. You know, when you talk about the small, Biloxi Small Craft Harbor, there's a certain area there that's not. Uh, and, you know, you got to get out past, closer to the island. But uh, the area right around it, it, you know, we've looked at that a lot, and it, yeah. and most people are pretty, pretty good. Well, my thing is now, back in the day when when Deer Island was nothing but rocks there, and nobody was really hanging out, you, you could run right there because you had the breaker. Now the, the states come in, filled it all in there, and it's, you know, on Sundays there's twenty, thirty boats right mm-hmm. there, and you got people running like crazy, throwing wakes and stuff like I that. Thought that was a no wake right there. I thought it was too. There's some it, signs up, I know. Yeah, but, there I mean, used to be painted the on the back mean. wall of it. But somebody said if you're off of that wall, x amount of feet, x amount of feet. Yeah, it's not a no wake right. zone. Yep, and the yeah. center out there is not. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, I thought the whole thing was. Mm-mm. Yeah, because yeah, well, it's the same over by Gornflows, right? Like you, you get outside of that channel, run closer to the deer, you can. Run as far as you can. Yeah, and and most people try to try to abide by it, and um, you know, uh, it depends on the weather. Weather causes people to do a lot of things. You know, they'll run in there real quick because they're trying to get in or something yeah. like that. But uh, but most people try to abide by it. Uh, now, what most of the places we put no wake zones is where launch areas are, right? Because uh, it's tough for a person trying to load a boat and you know with the wake oh, coming across. Yeah. It. The Iverville boat launch is the worst. Yeah. yeah. Oh my lord. Especially about, uh, when a big big one ten, yeah, yeah, when yeah. big boats come through there, yeah. no breaker. Well, that's kind of the Bluxy Yacht Club right there. It's, right, it's in between. Now those they patrol two that notes. pretty good. Well, yeah. it's not a no wake there. I've been stopped before, like right in front of the south uh, of Bluxy Yacht Club. Yeah, that that pier that comes out. Really? Yeah. Yep. Waves. So it's a, and I was I was it not says on a plane. no wake on the Yacht Club pier. Now I don't know if that's a What's true left Yacht anyway. Club. Yeah. yeah. That's that not way. very deep in there. It's not. No, and no. I was going slow, I, I, but I was casting a small wake, yeah. and I got a, you know, like a one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Probably when a wooden boat show was going on. It actually was. You're yeah. right. That's I why. Because y'all's right. guys were out there perfo- uh, yeah. policing it when yeah. a wooden yeah. boat show was. We, uh, you know, most of the time, they're just trying to get you to slow it down a little yeah. bit. Yeah, and like I said, I wasn't going super fast, but I, I'm, I'm I'm all for it. So I was like, hell yeah, I'll slow down. That's my favorite <laughs> place to cruise anyway. Yeah. So, uh, But you're right, Joey. It was the wooden boat. I forgot about yeah. that. So that, that probably had something to do with it. But, uh, but man, I think that was a great conversation. Yeah, we, absolutely. We, we really appreciate you stopping in here today. Like I said, we've talked to a few people from the from the department, but we wanted to get you know the real take on everything. We appreciate you bringing the the sheet there with uh, with the bullet points. I think that was a great conversation. I hope everybody in the comments that chimed in, we appreciate that as well. I uh, hope your questions got answered. Um, I think we covered it, huh, Joe? Yeah, yeah, knocked it out. Uh, I know y'all got some events coming. Y'all do the boat shows and stuff like that, kids casting. And you, all right. you find all that stuff on y'all's website, right? Right, you sure can. And, uh, and you know, anything that you've got any questions, just call us. We're there. We'll help you any way we can. 
And, uh, you know, we appreciate y'all allowing us to be yes, on the sir. show. Yes, sir. Yeah. We appreciate your time stopping in. and We thank y'all for yeah. doing this. Yes, yeah, sir. And, it's, and, it's our pleasure. And, and I'll say, uh, so I've, I've fished a lot the last couple of years, and um, I've been checked a few times where in the previous years it was very, you know, not a whole lot of patrol out there. But I've had really positive experiences with the, with the agents out there. You know, they've actually done a lot of this stuff. They've helped share some stuff with me that I didn't know. I have a little boat that I floundered out of some. Um, one of the nights I was launching the, a couple of the guys were headed out and was, was sharing with me some, a couple of things. I, I think I made a, what was supposed to be like a, a funny comment of the guys like, Hey, you want to check me now? So you don't have to chase me up on the bank cause they were in a big boat. And I was like, no, nah, go ahead. He's like, but you have flares in that boat, don't you? And I looked at him and I'm like, <laughs> no, I don't. Like, I thought it was 18 foot or bigger. And it's like 16 foot boat. And he's like, no, you see that bridge right there? Thing south of that bridge, regardless of how big it is, requires flares. Yeah. So I'm kind of standing there in the parking lot thinking, all right, so do I go floundering or <laughs> do I go home? So <laughs> Your move. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I think I said, I, I kind of said, you know, well. Um, you got any flares? I, yeah. I, I kind of made a comment about, well, what should I do? And he's like, up to you. Yeah. He right. kept walking. So I went floundering that night. But the next day I did go buy flares and, and have all that now. But like you're saying, those guys are. They're not looking. They're not. There's not a budget. They're not, you know, hitting quotas for tickets and stuff. There, a lot of it is safety, and it's, it's like ever, you know, everybody's kind of anti-patrol, and and then you you see a boat wreck where a, a kid got hurt or, mm-hmm. or different things, especially these insane holiday weekends out there. And Back Bay is where I'm I'm at a lot, and it, it's just chaos over there at times on certain weekends. But uh, I've had a positive experience with the guys, and and even even when they're at the dock, you know, you know the snapper stuff, you know, they they seem to be very engaging. Some of them are some of them are straight business like, which you know I can appreciate. They got to get through a lot of boats and that kind of stuff. So I I've, I've had a positive experience, and I think maybe they get a bad rap a lot of times. Yeah, well, they like you said, they're there, and uh, the rivers are dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> You know, those curves in those rivers, you don't know what's around that I curve. don't like it. Mm-mm. And, uh, you know, people just need to understand, just because your boat will run 60, you don't have to run it. That's mm-hmm. right. And, uh, you know, because you never know what's around it. And nobody wants to hurt somebody else yeah. or hurt themselves. Nobody yeah. wants to do that. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's just like anything else. If you want to run fast, get out in the big water. That's right. Where you the know, big boys go. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, get out in the water where you can run and there's not anything around you. There's nothing you that frustrates me more than seeing these giant boats. I saw I was up Fort Bowen, I mean, way up there the other day. And that was, I don't know, 38-footer with quads on the back mm-hmm. on plane doing those curves up Fort Bowen. I mean, right behind where them houses are behind St. Martin High School. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just like, luckily I was with a buddy of mine in his bass boat, but if I'd have been in my aluminum boat, it would have been, been ugly. News. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Slow it down, people. That's the word yeah, that's today. Right. So, Mr. Joe, we appreciate your time again. Thank, Thank you, you so I appreciate much. It. We uh, yeah. do it again. Let us know if anything you got coming up that we can help, you know, pump out to, to our audience as well. So we yeah. will. Thank yes, you sir. very much. All right. And thank y'all everybody watching on the live, the replay, and on the uh listening on the audio side. We'll see y'all on the next one. Later. Thanks so much for checking out the show. We really appreciate the support. If you haven't downloaded the Brownwater Banter app yet, go do it. It's free in the App Store and on Google Play. We have everything covered for an, a day out on the water. We've got the tides, the radar, Tails and Scales app. We've got a radio station right inside of it, and it's all free. All of our content is in there. You can listen to the show directly inside of the app. Make sure you keep your notifications turned on so you can stay in touch with us as we go live with guests in the future and plan events. We want to thank our app sponsor, Taylor and Cox Law Firm. If you need any legal representation, man, like we said before, give them a call at 228-696-0111. If y'all keep tuning in, we'll keep doing them. We'll see you on the next one. Brown.
water band.